Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Good morning. Hey, y'all. Y'all feeling good? You pumped up and ready to go? Turn to the person beside you and say, you look good. Some of y'all getting a little carried away. So I wonder, I wonder how many of us are really in the middle of a pretty decent life. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we're really, honestly, if you just look at it, step back and look at it, we're in the middle of a, of a pretty decent life, but we still find ourselves complaining a lot. Anybody? I mean, this is like you're in the most spiritual crowd, so probably not for y'all. That 11 o'clock crowd, that's the complainers, I probably. Like, you guys are really, really sharp. So the question is, why is it that our lives can be pretty good for the, mo- for the most part, most of the time, and yet, why is it that we still tend to focus on the negative? Why is that? Now, you're probably thinking right now, dude, where have you been? It's COVID. I mean, COVID has got the whole world, literally the whole world turned upside down. And what we used to see, you know, through the eyes of positivity. Boy, that sounded good, didn't it? Now we see through the lens of negativity and, and everything. And tomorrow is going to be worse then today and next week, who knows, right? No. Don't you wish the reason that we struggle with negativity were that simple? Here's the thing. Here's the thing that I learned. We were negative before COVID. Hello? Come on. Are y'all out there? Y'all got to wake y'all up. Right? I mean, we were negative before COVID. We were. We seems like, it seems like for the most part, we live in kind of a, a negative society. And so why is that? It's because, this is church, this is Sunday morning, this is 9 o'clock. It's because our mind is a battlefield. <laughs> Y'all are so funny. <clears throat> That's why I love you so much. It's a battlefield. Does, does anybody at all relate to that? That you struggle with the thoughts inside your own head. Like every single day, the thoughts that run through your mind are the kind of thoughts that really can destroy you. Most battles, most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. When it comes to your mind, what comes into your mind tends to come out in your life. If you have a negative mind, it's almost impossible for you to have a positive life. It's a daily battle. It's a daily battle to win the war against negativity. 2 Corinthians 10, you're going to love this verse. It's awesome. For though we live in the world, we do not wage world as the world does. So the battle that we're fighting is not even of this world. It's not in this world. Aren't you encouraged? Probably not. Verse 4 says it like this. For the weapons that we fight are not the weapons of this world. You feeling better? Aren't you feeling better now? So, so the bottom line is, you know, it's not of this world. The weapons that we use aren't of this world. And then he says, on the contrary, they have divine power. They have divine power. 
Let's say it one more time. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. So the battle that we're fighting is not of this world, which is not really encouraging. It sounds like this is a Star Trek episode or something like, right? Like we're talking about outer space kinds of things. And we know that this battle is in our minds, and we've done everything we can to win the battle in our mind, and we really can't. And so he says, you know what? It's not of this world. So the battle that you're, that's raging inside your head is not a battle that's of this world, and the weapons that you have are not weapons of this world. So it's awesome. You have this battle that's happening somewhere else, and you got weapons that you can't see. Y'all ready to go? Are you pumped up? Probably not. Well, what is a stronghold? So we have these divine these divine weapons, this divine power to demolish strongholds. But what is a stronghold? Well, it's a wrong pattern of thinking. A stronghold is a wrong pattern of thinking. Around here, we call it stinking thinking. Those patterns in your head that you automatically go to in a lot of different experiences that stinking thinking that takes you down a road that you know you should not go. So he says, we, demo we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. I just love this verse, don't you? That we take captive every thought. And my thought is every time I read this, I thought, I don't have to take them captive. They're locked up right inside my head. I can't get rid of them. That's usually what I think. I don't know what you're thinking. To make it obedient to Christ. So how in the world do we capture these negative thoughts and how do we delete those from our mind? How do we do that? I have no idea. Just kidding. That's why you've come, right? Well, it's got to be complicated because the mind. The mind is incredibly complex. Wouldn't you agree? Well, according to the experts, we have something called neuropathways. Neuropathway. So every time that you think a thought, you're actually creating a path. You're wearing a path. If you're from Greer, you're wearing a rut. Some of y'all got that, some of y'all didn't. You're, you're wearing a rut, a path in your mind. So every time you think a thought, it makes it easier for you to go back down that same path again and to think that same thought again. So we create these mental filters that can cause a mistake in our reasoning based on our personal experiences. Are you following along? In other words, if you grew up with an, in a negative context, a lot of times you have a negative filter through which you will see not just that situation, but then you'll have a negative filter, you'll have a negative framework that causes you to see every situation in a negative light. For example... I cut the tip of my finger off when I was 10 years old. Can y'all see that? It's pretty awesome, actually. I mean, I can do things y'all can't do. You can make fun of me because I don't have the tip of my finger. But let me just show you this right here. <laughs> see, laugh if you want to. You can't do that. Go ahead, try right. Some of you want to right now. Get your chair. Take your... See, you can't. Look at me. There are some other things that I can do with that finger, but it'd be gross if I did it up here, and so they, I probably shouldn't. It has to do with my nose. And I'm not, I'm just as far as I'm going. Y'all just maybe use your imagination and try to figure that one out. Anyway, um, I was 10 years old. I'd been on, on an overnight camping trip. I don't even know if it, who it was, if it was Cub Scouts, RAs from the church, some, some group. And I'd 
you know, going off on this overnight camping trip. And when I come home, my mom informed me that she had paid a man. She had paid a man to fix our lawnmower. Now, here's what you need to know. My father had died just a few months before. My father died a few months before, and, and my father... My, my father could do anything. My father was about five foot five. Okay, he was maybe five foot seven, and, and he had a big pot belly and a bald head, but my, my dad could whip your dad. I'm just saying. He was a bad man, you know, to have a little pot belly and a bald head. He was a bad man. And so my dad, my dad could do anything. He could fix anything. So my dad didn't believe in, you, in buying anything new. You didn't buy a new car. You bought a used car. You bought a used car. If there was a little something wrong with it, you know, then you'd knock off the price. And he didn't care because he could fix it. And so he didn't buy anything new. He didn't buy a new, didn't buy a new car. He didn't buy a new lawnmower. Anything. My dad believed that you bought it used, and he could fix anything. But the problem with it was was he wasn't able to teach me at ten years old. I hadn't learned how to fix everything. So my mom paid this man to fix this lawnmower. The problem with the lawnmower was the chain was loose. It kept coming off. So she paid a guy to fix it. The problem was that she had created this neuro pathway. She had created this, this rut, this path in my brain that simply said this. The world is out to take advantage of poor old widow women and their orphan sons. And so I was convinced that this man was just there to take advantage of my poor old mom and myself. He probably knew that my dad was the man that he was, and so he could fix everything, and he probably knew that, knew my mom couldn't fix anything, knew that I was only 10 years old, knew that I couldn't fix anything. And so in my mind, because I had created that path, that negative way of thinking, I was convinced that, in fact, he had not really fixed our lawnmower. So I went out in the backyard. I jumped up on that lawnmower. I started that lawnmower up, fired it up, started across the backyard, and as I suspected, it stopped. Now, when it stopped, without any doubt whatsoever in my mind, I knew that the chain had come off. I took my foot off the gas pedal. I actually was taking this leg, throwing it over the steering wheel as I was reaching down with my middle finger like I had done countless times before to feel that loose chain. And when I did, I don't know how it happened. Somehow, the lawnmower lunged forward, and it lunged forward just enough that it caught my finger between the chain and the sprocket on riding lawnmower. Is this a great story or what? This is a great seventh grade story kind of thing, right? Blood was everywhere. I couldn't find my finger. I held it up like this. People were offended. I'm just kidding. I held it up like this. I remember what I remember as a 10-year-old. It looked like a water fountain. This was awesome. I ran in our house. I'm running down the hall hollering from mama, 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 I've cut my finger off. And so every time I would go from one side to the other, blood was all over the walls. It looked like the Manson family had been to our house. It was awesome, kind of. And my finger got cut off that day because I had created a rut in my brain. This rut... This way of thinking that said the world is out to get poor old widow women and their orphan sons. Maybe for you, maybe you grew up with abusive men. And so because you were hurt and abused by men now, you have this framework. And that framework for you is that all men are abusive. That's your filter. That's how you see the world. That's how you see men. 
The filters that you have shape how you see life. That's why there can be two different people that can respond totally different to the exact same situation. See, it's not the facts that are different. The facts are the same. It's the filter. It's interesting. Two people can walk into the church. Two different people can walk into a church on a Sunday morning and have two completely different experiences. One person can walk in with this filter that all pastors are cons. And so it doesn't really matter what we say. It's not what we say. It's how we say it. It's not how we say it. It's the look that we had on our face. It's we mentioned money somewhere in the message, you know. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. There's another con. And so you have that mental framework. And so by the time the service is over with, you're thinking, ah, this place is junk. I ain't never coming back here. Somebody else can walk in with a completely different framework and say, wow, the place is awesome. Those people are so friendly. Man, the music was, was just like right on time, you know. It, the pastor spoke to my heart. The Holy Spirit used it. This place was awesome. I can't wait to come back. It's not that the facts were different. It's the filter. It's the filter. You can see examples of it in the Bible as well, Numbers 13 and 14. So Moses, those of you that are even probably new to church, you probably know this story where there's the promised land, right? Children of Israel had the promised land. They called it the promised land because it was the land that God, hard to figure out the Bible, isn't it? So, so there was this promised land, and so they got to the promised land, and, and so Joshua says, okay, I'm going to send 12 spies into the land, just going to check this thing out. 12, si 12 spies, all 12 spies saw the exact same thing. The facts were the same. They saw the same trees. They saw the same fruits. They saw the same vegetables. They saw the same people. Everybody saw the exact same thing, but there were two different reports. Two came back and said, man, this is awesome. Like, I mean, the, the, the tomatoes are bigger and sweeter than we've ever seen. Cantaloupes are like watermelons, and watermelons are like 15 pounds. I mean, they're awesome. Let's take the land. There were 10 who said, oh, the land devours people. They're giants in the land. And we're like grasshoppers compared to them. See, it wasn't the facts that were different. It was the filter. And the sad thing of it is, is that once you begin to see everything through a negative filter, it'll become your frame of reference for every situation. All men are abusive. All women cheat. All teenagers are disrespectful. You know how many times I hear that? Boy, teenagers today, teenagers today. Now, maybe when we were kids, when we were, going, when we were teenagers, it was different. I always thought that was funny. When we were teenagers, it was different. But teenagers today, I, I would love to look at those people and say, you should have been here during kids camp and saw the teenagers that we had here. Man, they were off the chart. They were awesome. But it's the negative filter that you have. All white people are. All black people are. All black people are. All, all young black men are. All Hispanic people are. So we have those, those filters that shape our world. And you believe the lie. So we've got to change the filter. We've got to change the filter that shapes the world. You can't control what happens to you. You cannot. 
follower of Jesus, Christian, non-Christian, you, you, cannot, you cannot change what can happen to you. What you can change is how you frame it. So I want to close this morning by giving you some tools that I think will help you hit the Control-Alt-Delete button and reframe the negativity. Three simple tools. Here's the first one. We can pre-frame every situation. We can pre-frame every situation. Pre-framing is going into every situation, this is a key word, with gratitude. Gratitude changes everything. It changes your perspective on everything. Gratitude causes you to be able to thank God for what didn't happen. So there was a story, I was told this story of a 20-year-old young college student. It was told to be a true story. It's an awesome story. So she comes home from uh, college break and uh, midterm. She had, just after she had taken her midterm exam, she said, Mom and Dad, sit down. I, I got to talk to you. It's going to be tough. I just want you to know I went out to a bar. I got drunk. I met a guy. I invited the guy back home. And now, without going into the gory details, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant by a guy that just met in a bar, got drunk. It's a terrible situation. But the good news is that his probation will be over in a year, and then once he's out of rehab, he'll look for a job. And then after he's got a job, he promised, he promised me that he would think about marrying me. She let that hang just for a minute. She said, actually, none of that's true. The truth is, I got a D on my chemistry exam. I just wanted you to know that it could have been a whole lot worse. <laughs> that's awesome, isn't it? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, underline those first two words. Because here's what Paul said. He said, all this. So you know what the word all means in the Greek? The original language of the New Testament is Koine Greek. It's common Greek. Do you know what that little word means in the Greek? It means all. Man, you people are sharp. So you're the real spiritual crowd. That 11 o'clock will never even get it. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, don't lose heart. Hey, well, hang on. All this stuff that you've been going through, all this stuff's been happening, don't lose heart. Though outwardly, I don't know if this is a little pick-me-up, though outwardly we're just wasting away. And if you're getting older, have you figured that out? Have you figured that out yet? The older we get, these bodies don't do what they used to do. Hello, have you looked in the mirror lately and said, Woo, what happened to that 20-year-old stud? He's turned into a 50-year-old mud. I mean, it's just things shift, right? Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Being thankful for what didn't happen can open your eyes to what God may be doing through the difficult things that this life has to offer. Gratitude. If I've learned anything in my life, it really has changed my perspective on every situation. And that every situation I go into, I'm already looking and thankful for, you know what, it could have been a whole lot worse. I mean, literally, it could have been a whole lot worse. Most of the situations that I go through in life could have been a whole lot worse. Gratitude, being thankful that things are as good as they are. The second thing that you can do is this. You've got to pre-frame everything with, with gratitude, and then you've got to reframe everything. 
So I wonder how many of you wanted something in life, but right now you're experiencing the exact opposite. Maybe you woke up this morning and maybe you looked in the mirror and maybe you thought, you know what, I just, this is not where I plan on being at this stage of my life. I thought things would be different. I thought I'd have a different job. I thought by now I'd be retired. I thought by now, whatever the situation might be, I thought I'd be married. I, I, I didn't plan on being single. I didn't plan that divorce. I didn't plan what's happened to me. How in the world did I get here? If that's you, I just want you to know the Apostle Paul knew exactly how you feel. I love the story of Paul. Paul, just so you know, before his name was Paul, it was Saul, and he hated Christians. He hated Christians because he hated who Christians followed. Now, they called them Christians in the early church, and that wasn't like a great term. It was a derogatory term. So they would look at these, these people that were following Jesus, and they would say, look at them. They're just trying to imitate they're trying to imitate Jesus. They're just little Christ. And it was a derogatory term. It wasn't a complimentary term at all. And so he hated, he loved God. He actually loved God, but he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he really hated, and he hated the followers of Jesus so much that he was having some literally put to death. But then he experienced the incredible love and mercy and grace of Jesus. And he was, he, was so, he was so changed by his experience with Jesus that he wanted everybody to know. He wanted to tell as many people as he could. And so in this particular culture, in this particular day, Rome was, was like the center of the world. So Paul said, man, if I can just get to Rome, you know? Like if I can get to Rome, if I can preach in Rome, and if I can have influence in Rome, if I can lead some folks in Rome to Jesus. These will be people that literally will go out into the rest of the world and the gospel will be spread. So he wanted to go to Rome as a preacher, but instead he went to Rome as a prisoner. Now that's a different perspective. So he was locked up in house arrest and he was awaiting possible execution. Now Paul could have framed his situation in two different ways. He could have framed it on the negative side. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, from the NWV version, NWV version for those of you that think, whoa, that's a new version. It's the new whiners version. I got that from another pastor, and I thought it was awesome, so I thought I'd just make that up as well. So here's what Paul could have said. In Philippians, in Philippians 1, verses 12 and 2, he could have said it like this. I just want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. And as a result, I, everything that I've been through, I'm quitting this whole living for Jesus thing. I mean, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. I, I'm done. I mean, I quit my job. Y'all hear me? I quit my job. I, some theologians believe that he walked away from a wife. He walked away from his family. He walked away from everything to follow Jesus. And so Paul could have said, I give up everything to follow Jesus, and look at how he repays me. He repays me. I wanted to go to Rome. I wanted to go to Rome as a preacher, and I was going to come in. I was going to wax eloquent. I was going to preach incredible messages. People were going to give their lives to Jesus. The gospel was going to be spread throughout the world, and here I am as a prisoner. I quit. Forget Jesus. That would have been the New Winers version. But instead, here's what he said. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually happened to advance the gospel. And you're thinking, what? 
dude, you're a prisoner. Like, are you crazy? How does that help? You're locked up. You can't preach to anybody. Except the Roman guard that watches you every eight hours. And then in every eight hours, there was a changing of the shifts. And then another guard would have come in. And then after that eight-hour shift, another guard would have come in. And he said, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. Don't you, don't you see? Paul said, you know what? This is really incredible because what I, I wanted to have some influence. And so what God did was he put me in a position to influence some of the greatest leaders in Rome. People that were widely respected throughout Rome. And because of that, everyone else that I am in knows that I'm in chains for Christ. Wow. He said, man, this is awesome. It's not the facts that we're different. It's how you frame it. But honestly, you'll never be able to pre-frame any situation with gratitude or reframe any situation until you have the right frame, until you're able to frame God accurately. And I have been working on this. Oh, my gosh. I, I had the opportunity to share with somebody yesterday for a couple hours. And, and, and so I, I just I wanted to just... I, I want to open up my life is what I want to do. I want you to be able to see in here what God's done in the last 25, 35 years inside of me because I have the right frame. I know who God is. And I was raised in church. I was taken to church every day until I was maybe 10, well, probably 12, 13 years old, and then I just quit going, not because my mama didn't try. Let me give you this verse. Psalm 106, verse 1, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is, what did it say? I can't hear you. I feel like one of them Pentecostal preachers. I can't hear you. He is good. Do you, wait a minute. I don't, can we just stop right there? Do we have to go any further? Do we need to go any further? Do you believe that God is good? I don't know that I did. That was not the frame that I had. I didn't have a frame that God was good. I had a frame that God was not so good. Just to be quite honest, he didn't answer all my prayers. My dad died when I was 10 years old. I prayed that God would let my dad live, and my dad didn't. I didn't see that as being a, a good God. Why would a good God, why would a good father take away a 10-year-old boy's dad away from him? Why would he do such a thing? That God is good? That was not, that was not a concept that I had. It wasn't a, a path that I had created in my brain. And then this last part, his love endures forever. I was questioning whether his love was even there at all, much less that it would endure forever. It became so easy for me to look at all of my faults and all of my sin and draw the conclusion that surely his love can endure forever. But that was the wrong frame. Here's the cool thing about having that frame. Once you have that right frame and you're convinced that his love endures forever, then you can look at a verse like, like Romans 8, 28. And you can say, and we know that, that in all things, what? You know what the word all means in the Greek? 
You, I'm telling you, you guys are awesome. We should give you an honorary degree in Koine Greek. All things God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And if God is working in all things, all the good things, even something like working in the death of my dad, things that I couldn't possibly understand, Once I settle, once I have that framework, then everything changes. Then it's time to reject those unhealthy thoughts and do away with those frames that tell you that you can't, that you won't, that you're nothing, that you're a failure, that you're not smart enough, that you're not pretty enough, that you're just not enough. And to reframe it. Underline this in my notes. I want to make sure I say it. We're not interpreting the goodness of God through our circumstances. We're interpreting our circumstances through the goodness of God. Did you get that? Those of you would say, man, I just need to, God to help me to, to free frame, pre-frame and reframe. And I got to have the accurate frame of God because and I'm struggling. And, and you're right. I, I do, I'm, I'm in a negative mindset. And I know the cool thing would be to have every head bowed and every eye closed. But let's, hey, what if we just said we're in a safe place, you know? That we're all recognized that we're not there yet. And that we could maybe slip up our hand right now and say, would you just pray for me? Because I, I want to have the right frame. I just don't. You guys are awesome. Can I just pray for us? Lord, life's hard, but you're good. It's hard for me to see, Lord. Lord, I've, ex I've experienced so much hurt and so much pain in my life. And Lord, I had that, I had created a neuro pathway, Lord, of negativity that always led me down the wrong road. It led me down a road away from you. Lord, I, you know, I feel like I've been spending the last 40 years trying to create new pathways. Lord, I pray for those that slipped up their hand, just like me, Lord. We can't, even, we can't even do that without your help. That you can teach us who you are from your word. Truth. Then when our faith is weak, then we just rest in the truth. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. Maybe there are those of you that morning that say, you know what? I, I had no idea that God was working in my life. You're not a follower of Jesus. And, and maybe this morning you're just looking around thinking, you know what? The reason that I'm here this morning is because I'm searching and I'm looking. Let me just tell you that, that God's crazy about you. He didn't shout his love from heaven. He showed his love on earth. He became one of us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus, 
who was without sin, was perfect in every way, went to the cross for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Jesus, can you wrap your head around this? Jesus gave his life on the cross. And the power of God raised Jesus from the dead so that anyone that calls on the name of Jesus might be saved. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you'd like to be, maybe you'd pray a prayer or something like this. Just quietly, silently, right there in your seat. Maybe you'd say something like this. Heavenly Father, I just need forgiveness. I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin. And Lord, I'm not just asking that you forgive me. I need you to change me. And I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit and make me new. And I'm just going to declare that from this day forward, my life is not my own. I want to surrender my life completely to you.